Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you are here today. It's wonderful to be with God's people in God's house, worshiping our Lord together. And we welcome you here and 
hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way today as we join our hearts in worship. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially you're very much a part, uh, very important to us, and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship together. And we'd like to uh, ask everyone, if you would, to um, uh, fill out the attendance sheets that we have on each row. We, uh, if you would, take that and, to, and fill it out. Give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving us and pass it down the row so others can do that as well. We would certainly appreciate that. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, we have a newsletter that goes out by email each Thursday, and it keeps you up with the opportunities of service and worship and fellowship uh, that we have here at Community Baptist Church. So uh, if you would like to receive that information, please be sure to put your email address on there, and we'll be sure to get you on that, on that list. Uh, we're grateful that you are here today, and uh, and it's good to be able to share God's love with one another. So let me invite you today to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, you guys look like you're having so much fun. I hate to call you back to order, but I know you guys. You'll do this for another hour. We um we we have a uh, we have some special people in our service today, um, and that and those people are uh, people who are involved with our upward ministry, upward basketball and cheerleading ministry, um, and we're glad that you're here. And this is an, a very important ministry of our church, one that um, that touches a lot of people in in many different ways. And it's important for us to do, and I think it's something that's important for our community to be involved with as well. And so we're going to have a time of dedication this morning for our Upward upward Ministry. Our first game is this Saturday, and um, and it's, a, it's going to be a busy time for that from from now on through uh, through just after Thanksgiving. Uh, but it's also an awesome time. It's a time of where God really really blesses people in, in miraculous ways, and it's a very special time. But we want to dedicate this season to God and to God's glory, 
And we want to offer blessings on those who are involved. And so what I want to do right now is I want to ask those who some of our players, some of our cheerleaders, some of our volunteers, all of these. If you're involved in Upward in any way as a, a player, or a cheerleader or a volunteer, I want you to come forward and, and stand right here. And, and then uh, Jerry is going to have some words and I think have a prayer for us. So come on forward, Upward folks. Good morning, everyone. It is a glorious day, and I'm so glad to see everyone here today. <clears throat> it is Dedication Sunday for our Upward Program Ministry, and we would like to thank everyone for being here today. As we take a few moments to recognize the Upward staff, the players, the cheerleaders, the uh, basketball and cheer coaches and volunteers, they all have taken valuable time out of their busy schedules and devoted it to the Upward Ministries. Our directors for Upward are John and Christine Cornelius. Raise your hands. John also coaches basketball. Upward administrator, Frank Knight. He also coaches basketball as well. Advertising, Mary Dunham. Special events is Greg Gibson, and he's not here today. Prayer Commissioner, Miss Brittany Blanford. Uh, Devotion Commissioner, Mary Rye. And plus, uh, <clears throat> Nora Hobson, that does devotions every week with Mary as well, and they both do a super job. Basketball commissioner, uh, that's me. <laughs> and I try to coach too. Cheer commissioner, Roy Sneal. And she's also a cheer coach. Referee commissioner, Brad Fleming. He's not here today. Concessions, Sybil Keach. She serves up all that good food, and it is good. Set up cleanup, Mr. Matthew North. And he also coaches basketball. And the rest of the people you see up here are either head and assistant basketball coaches, either head and assistant cheer coaches. You see little basketball players running around here and cheerleaders. <clears throat> and if there are any other volunteers that are not up here, please come up here with us because there's a lot more people involved than what you see up here. There's a lot of people in the background. There are also, as you can see, this is just a mere amount. This is our first time to do this Dedication Sunday. We have approximately around 140, 50 children, okay? A lot of them have their own church, and that's probably where they're at today, and that's a wonderful thing. But... <clears throat> Think about that. 150 children, and if both parents are living at home, that's 300, that's 450. That's a lot of people to touch with this ministry. It really is. <clears throat> that's a lot of people. 
We do this with these people, and it would not be a success without them. I would like to recognize them, and we're doing that here today. And then there is the children, and this is why we do this, for the love of God and the love of these children and their families. We receive the blessing by participating, but you out there, you can receive so much more too. Join us at the practices. Come and watch these children. Get to know some of these families. There are none finer. We have great basketball games with talented young boys and girls, and there are no prettier cheerleaders than our young ladies as they they cheer for each game. Go upward. Do I hear a go upward? I am so excited about this season. Will each of you please bow your head and pray with me as we dedicate the 2011 Upward Ministry Program with volunteers and children. Your importance in our lives, O God, is reflected in our gifts and talents. We return to you through the Upward Ministry and outreach of this church a portion of all that you have entrusted to us. We invest our time and abilities in your work of comforting, teaching, guiding, and proclaiming good news. Bless each gift, talent, and multiply the good to be done through them. We dedicate and lift up all the volunteers who freely give of their time to be a mentor and be an example of the love that you have freely given us. May you guide each of them and bless them. We dedicate the children and lift them up to you. May they not only learn the game of basketball and cheerleading, but may they come to know of your undying and unconditional love. I ask that they receive your blessings, but I also ask that you allow us to receive blessings from them also. We also ask blessings upon the children's families. Whatever their needs, Lord, we lift them up to you. And if there are needs, Lord, we ask and give thanks for you allowing us the opportunity to meet the needs of the many through this ministry. We give thanks for each family that allows us to share your word and allows us to experience and share unforgettable moments with their children. We dedicate the upper 2011 season to you. May we all be safe from harm and may all hear your message of hope and love. We give you our hands to do your work. We give you our feet to go your way. We give our tongues to speak your words. We give you our minds that you may think in us. We give you our spirits that you may pray in us. We give our whole selves that you may grow in us. So that it is you, Lord, who lives, works, plays, and prays in us all. Above all, we give you our hearts that you may love in us for all mankind. Thank you for upwards. Amen. If the children will stay down here, we have children's moment. The children will stay down here, and uh, any other children will come forward. We'll have our children's moment right down here with uh, with Miss Mary.
sometimes we just have to do what we have to do. Jerry said he didn't like standing in front of people, but hey. You were really about to faint? That's normal. Really. I'm about to faint too. That's why I sit down. All right. Raise your hand if you can tell me what family is. What's family? Jerry, what do you think? So you guys eat a lot at your house, huh? He said, a family is where you gather a lot and have a big feast. And you're exactly right. Bo, I know you're here visiting grandparents. What's family mean to you? Excuse me. Nana and granddaddy. Okay. Well, you're here visiting Nana and granddaddy. And your aunt. Aunt Rachel? Okay. What's family mean to you? You know what? Did you read this definition in the dictionary? Because listen to this. A group of individuals living under one roof and under one head. So it's a family. So in our house, um, probably I'm the, oh, maybe John's the head of the household. And, and, uh, and maybe in, in the Hudson family, maybe Becky's the head of the household, or maybe Meg. I don't know. Okay? But anyway, did you guys realize all those people that were up here with you? Yes, you did. And everybody else out here, do you guys know that when you come to church and you talk about God and you learn about God, you have a whole big extended family? Are we under one roof right here? We are, aren't we? Okay, so we're a, fa- we're a family right now, and we'll always be a family right now. And you guys know when you come to church, you always have additional people to talk to. We're God's family. Bo, I couldn't have done this without you. And the whole world of our, is our family, right? So that's a very simple children's moment. But there's this very special person, and we're glad his family's with us too. And he's going to tell you a very quick story about Upward, Okay. Not your dad this time, but he's very special to us, too. Ah. All right. So we got a ball and we got a basket, right? It's a great game, basketball. I love this game. You guys like basketball? Yay! You know what my favorite part of the game is? Right there at the end. Game's on the line. There's like two seconds on the clock. Only one point left. Crowd's going crazy. They're screaming, yelling, hollering. Cheerleaders are screaming with all their might. The coaches are over there pulling the rest of their hair out. The team's all jumping up and down, all primed. Over there at the end of the bench, camera pans over. There's my favorite player. He's getting ready to go in. He's the star of the team. The guy's fantastic. Never misses a basket. Plays great defense. He practically flies down the court. He's over there sitting down. Thinking to myself, what's he sitting down for? He's got his head bowed. Eyes are closed. He's not saying a word. Just before the game starts, he gets up, walks calmly out onto the court. Play starts, he gets the ball, two seconds left. He's in the middle of a crowd, he shoots, and it goes in. Team wins. Everybody goes crazy. First thing he does, reaches his hands up in the sky. He mouths two words. You know what they were? Thank you. He walks off the court. Crowds are going nuts. Everybody's screaming, they're jumping up and down, all happy. Just as I'm getting ready to turn the game off, they already won. I don't need to see the rest. They go to the court reporter. Now, this lady, she asks the worst questions ever. So I'm just, I've heard them all. 
I don't want to listen anymore. Just before I turn the power off on TV, she's standing there with my favorite player. She says to him, just before the play started, you were sitting on the end of the bench. You weren't talking to anybody. You didn't cheer. Nothing. What was going on? I thought to myself, you know what? She finally asked a question that I want to hear the answer to. So he says, I was asking God for the strength to get up and go out onto the court. I was asking him to overcome my fears so that I could get out there and do whatever it is that I needed to do. And I was asking him for the wisdom that no matter what happened out on that court, I could accept it because it was what he wanted. And I thought, wow, this guy is the best player I've ever seen. He's got all the physical gifts anyone could ever want, and he's still asking God for courage. Now, why can't we? A ball and a basket, guys. It's really simple. You know what else is really simple? You and God. That's great. Thank you, guys.
seated. Our verses today will be from Matthew 21, 33 to 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent another slave, but more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is their heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a visible death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest harm. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing to our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them, and they wanted to arrest him. But they feared the crowd because they regarded him as a prophet. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we have read from the scriptures about the tenants taking from the owner, their greed, lack of understanding of the of the need to serve following God's will instead of using their own ideas because they did not understand that you are God and how to act as tenants for you. Often we use our own ideas as to what you want and through our action forget to we work for you and under your directions. Living for you is not to take for ourselves and work outside your will, but is to make sure all things are done to prayerful directions. We ask you to pray on our hearts, desire to always seek direction from you, to make our church truly a temple for God. It takes listening on our part to hear you tell us what you need us to do, and we ask to be better listeners. You ask that we serve you in a manner that will make your presence known to all. We know that you ask us to serve you with love for each other and for this church. Please make us serving tenants for your glory. Amen.
from you. We dedicate this money for the work of the church and we ask you to use all that we have and are in your service. May you be praised forever and ever. Amen.
What a beautiful song. Thank you, choir, for reminding us that Christ is in this place, and indeed he is. How many of you like college football? I I see a lot of hands in the air. I I love college football, and since this is uh, football season, I want to begin with a couple of football stories this morning. The first one is about a place kicker who was so angry with himself after missing several field goals that when he got to the sidelines, he said, I could just kick myself. And the coach said, don't bother, you'll probably miss. (laughs) The second story is a true story about a game between a couple of football powerhouses, Michigan State and UCLA. The score was tied at 14 to 14 with just a few seconds to go in the game. So Coach Duffy Darty of Michigan State sent in his field goal kicker, Dave Kaiser, who booted a field goal to win the game. When Kaiser came back to the, to the bench, Coach Darty said to him, Nice going, Dave. That was a great kick. But you didn't watch the goal. You, you didn't watch the ball after you kicked it. Why didn't you watch it? And Kaiser replied, well, that's right, coach. I was watching the referee to see how he would call it. You see, I forgot my contact lenses and I couldn't see the goalposts. That's that's exactly what you need, isn't it? A vision impaired field goal kicker. Well, football and indeed all sports are a wonderful part of our culture, particularly college football, I believe. You know, college students can be so creative. Newspaper columnist Neil Steinberg wrote a book not too long ago about pranks that college students play on one another. And he tells about one prank that the students at Auburn University played on the Georgia Tech football team. Now, this was a long time ago. The year was 1896. The game was to be played at Auburn, and the Tech team was supposed to arrive there by train. But prior to their arrival, a bunch of the Auburn students went down to the train station and coated the tracks with grease. So when the Georgia Tech team finally arrived, it took the train 10 miles to stop. The players had to hike all the way back to the field, and subsequently Georgia Tech lost the game 45 to nothing. Football is a wonderful sport. And what's interesting about football and about all sports, as a matter of fact, is that there are some people who will always cheer for the underdog, aren't there? No matter what. Anybody here like that? Anybody here? Yeah, we've got a few. Yeah, we know who you are. There are people who will always cheer for the underdog. Now, some people would say that, that these people are masochists. And while I understand their motivation, cheering for the underdog is the surest way possible to be consistently disappointed. I love uh, what Orlando, Orlando Magic General Manager Pat Williams once said about his team back in 1992. This was before the Magic learned how to win many games. Uh, he said, we can't win at home. We can't win on the road. And as general manager, I just can't figure out where else to play. Lou Holtz once made a similar statement when he was coach at South Carolina. He said, somebody wrote a great football song for us to 
to sing after winning a game, but by the time we won a game, everybody had forgotten the words. Well, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, The race is not always to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. But, says one cynic, that's the smart place to put your money. In every game, there's an underdog, a team that's overmatched, a team that's not expected to win. And many of us cannot help but to cheer for that underdog. Well, our scripture for today suggests that Jesus knew what it was like to be an underdog. You see, Jesus was not expected to win either. The writer of Matthew puts it like this by quoting two verses from Psalm 118. He said, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. My friends, these words have brought inspiration to millions of Christians throughout the ages. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You see, Jesus knows what it is like to be rejected. And this scripture is a clear reference to Jesus. He was the stone that was rejected. And so that's the first thing that we need to see this morning. Jesus knows what it's like to battle against overwhelming odds. He knows what it is like to be disrespected. He knows what it's like to be in pain and and ultimately to confront death. He knows what it is like to be the underdog. So remember that the next time you're in a tight spot. Remember that when... When you are rejected, when you lose that big contract, when you get bad news from the doctor, and and even when you are, even when that final door, the door of death, is, is closing in your face. Remember that Jesus has faced all of that too. And he knows what it's like to be on the losing end. And I think that's important for us to know because, because you see, at some time or another, All of us are going to be an underdog. If you look at yourself as a as a top dog and you think that you'll never be on the losing side of things, just wait. It's going to happen. Life happens to all of us. And sooner or later, every one of us will end up drawing the the short straw. Phil Philip Yancey tells a heart wrenching story about a European immigrant suffering from leukemia. She was telling Yancey about her loneliness. He asked her if she had any family, and she said that her only son was trying to get emergency leave from the Air Force so that he could be with her. And her husband, he asked. Well, she swallowed hard a few times, and and then she said, He came to see me just once. I was in the hospital. He brought me my bathrobe and a few things, and the doctor stood in the hallway with him and told him about my leukemia. And then her voice started to crack as she dabbed her eyes. She said, my husband went home that night, packed up all of his things and left. I've never seen him again. How long had you been married, Yancey asked. And she said, 37 years. 37. Seven years of marriage and her husband walks out on her 
when she needed him the most. And here's what's really disturbing. Yancey says that some researchers have reported that there's a 70% breakup rate in marriages in which one of the partners has contracted a terminal illness. In one group of 30 people that was studied, no marriages remained intact for longer than two years. Man, think about that. Talk about kicking you while you are down. Well, life can sometimes be very, very cruel. Even people that we love and and depend on and, and trust can sometimes be very, very cruel. But there are times when all of us are underdogs. Very few of us will go through life unscathed by disappointment or despair. It may be marital strife. It may be a professional failure. It may be a a physical illness. And, And of course, all of us will die sooner or later. The fact is that life is hard. And most of us will cope with those deep valleys that we encounter. And most of us will move on. We'll win a few and we'll lose a few, but we hang in there and we keep on fighting. But sometimes it gets discouraging, doesn't it? And that's why it's so important for us to know that that Jesus not only was the underdog and understands what it's like to lose, but that Jesus was also victorious. And he teaches us that we can be victorious, too. And that's a word of great hope for us. Notice those words again. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. These are very important words. You see, Jesus is speaking to a crowd that that included some scribes and Pharisees, and they were the religious establishment of that day. And eventually they would be responsible for his death on the cross. The Bible tells us that, that to them Jesus was, it uses a word in Greek, it's skandalon, which is a word used to describe a stone that one is likely to stumble over. In other words, Jesus was a stumbling block for a lot of people. He was attacked on all sides. He did not play the expected roles of a Messiah. For those who supported law and order, he turned out to be a provocateur. He was dangerous to the system. He disappointed the activist revolutionaries. Because, you see, he loved nonviolent ways and, and, and peace. <coughs> he offended <coughs> passive, world-forsaking ascetics by his worldliness. <coughs> he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. And for those who adapted themselves to the world, he, he was too uncompromising. For the silent majority... He was too noisy, and for the noisy minority, he was too loud, or he's too quiet, too gentle for the strict, and too strict for the gentle. And thus, he was rejected by the religious establishment, and eventually, he was rejected even by the crowds of people who had once hailed him as their potential king. And so, for the moment, those who persecuted him looked like they had won. They had their way with Jesus. 
they had him scourged. They whipped up the crowds and who yelled against him, crucify him, crucify him. They planted his cross in the ground and they hung him there naked in utter shame and humiliation. They won. At least that's how it appeared. But only for a while. You remember the words of Dallas Holmes' song it was so popular a while back? Go ahead. Drive the nails in my hand. Laugh at me where you stand. Go ahead and say it isn't me. The day will come when you will see. Because I'll rise again. Ain't no power on earth can tie me down. Yes, I will rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. My friends, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And what Jesus was saying to the scribes and the Pharisees that day was that He was that stone that they would reject. But their way would ultimately fail. Yes, they would reject Him. But He would become the cornerstone of a whole new way of a of approaching life and faith and God and the world. The underdog would become the victor. And that's the way it is with everyone who follows Jesus. You see, the Christian faith is a, is a positive faith. It's a hopeful faith. It is a faith of, of overcoming obstacles. It's a faith of... Believing that there's no mountain too high, that there's no valley too deep for us to overcome because we know who is with us. As Rocky Balboa once said in one of the Rocky movies, you, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. Well, that's who we want to be, isn't it? We want to be a people who, by the grace of God, keep on moving forward regardless of what life may throw at us. But it's not in our own strength that we can, can win. Because, folks, we can't do it by ourselves. We cannot do it by ourselves. Let's read those verses, those two verses from the psalm again. <clears throat> The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. You see, it is the Lord who has done this. And it is the Lord who is our strength, not us. It is God who gives us the victory. And here's the good news for today. If you trust in God today, if you trust in God, you will ultimately win with God. John Killinger tells a, a story about a former student of his named Barry Howard, who is a pastor in Florida. Barry is writing a book <clears throat> about his experiences with people who were dying. And one story that he tells is about a man in his late 70s who has been in the hospital for several days waiting for his death. 
In the middle of the night, Mary's phone rang, and it was the man's wife. They had just called her from the hospital to say that the end was near. And so she called her pastor and asked if he would come and pick her up and go with her to the hospital. In the hospital room, her son and daughter, daughter were already there. Her husband lay there. His eyes were closed. The oxygen mask was covering his face. And, and once or twice, he's, he, seems to, he seemed to struggle with the, with the mask. And his son reached down and straightened the mask and moved his hand away. But the third or fourth time, Barry said, wait a minute. Maybe he wants it off so that he can say something. And, and he did want to say something. Hold my hand. He murmured to his wife. She took his hand, stood by his bed. The mask was put back in place, and, and this time he, he lay there quietly, content to be holding his wife's hand. And then very gently and soothingly, his wife began to sing to him an old hymn, Victory in Jesus. Before she had sung very much, her daughter also joined in, singing alto and and, and, and then the son, who had been crying, began to sing tenor. And when they had finished that song, they, they sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness, another wonderful old hymn. And, and when they finished that one, they, they launched into Amazing Grace. They were on the last verse of Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. And the lifeline on the monitor went flat. And he was gone. It was an amazing experience, says Barry. When they entered the room that night, there was so much pain and suffering, tension, apprehension. But now when this man died to the strains of those beautiful, old, familiar hymns, there was joy. There was composure and even thanksgiving. Everything was good. Life, death, everything. And you know, it is good. All of us, no matter how charmed our life has been, will at some time or another know what it is like to be an underdog. And at a time like that, it is good for us to know that Jesus was an underdog too. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this. And it is marvelous to our eyes. It is marvelous in our eyes. As Christ was victorious through Him, we too can be victorious. And that gives us the strength and the hope and the encouragement and the faith that we need to take another step and to make it through those hard, hard times of life. So, have you ever felt like you've been an underdog? Be hopeful. So was Jesus. And he changed the whole world. Amen.
We're going to sing a hymn of response, Seek Ye First, number 478. And there may be someone here today who needs to respond to the prompting of God's Holy Spirit in your life this, this morning. Maybe life's been kicking you regularly. Maybe life's been kicking you recently, and it's a fairly new thing. Maybe life's just been beating you down, and it's hard. And I'm not here to say to you that life is going to get better. It may, it may not. But I will say to you this. With the power of Christ's presence in your life, you can, you can make it through those hard times. With the power of God's Spirit in your life, even though you are the underdog, you're not expected to make it. You're not expected to overcome. With God's Spirit, you can. And you will ultimately be victorious. If not here in this, on this earth, at least when it tum- comes time to meet our Maker. God loves you. doesn't matter how down you are. Doesn't matter how lowly you have been. Doesn't matter how much of an underdog you are. God loves you especially. And God wants that relationship with you. So if you've never made that commitment to God today, I hope you'll do that this morning. And all you have to do is to say yes to the to the Christ who is calling to you and wants to be your strength, your cornerstone. Something secure for you to launch into or to latch onto. And to be a support for you to build your life on. I hope you'll make that commitment today if you haven't before. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church today. Or maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come as we sing together. Seek ye first. Would you come to Thank you for your presence with us this morning. Just a few announcements. Uh, let me remind everyone that we are um, co-sponsoring a uh, Peace with Justice weekend that's coming up on October the 21st and the 23rd. 
We're co-sponsoring that with Zion United Church of Christ. And uh, there are some uh, pieces of paper on the table in the foyer. I'd like to ask if you would to take one of those and uh, it has some more information about what's going to be happening during the weekend. There are several events happening. Uh, the cost of that is $25 per person. Uh, there are scholarships available for that, or you can kind of pick and choose, you know, what you want to go to and not pay the whole amount. But that's explained on the on the sheet. And so pick one of those sheets up on the on the table in the foyer uh, before you leave today. Uh, we're also continuing our capital campaign. We are um, in the process of refinancing our church and we want to uh, to collect as much money as we can before we do that. So we won't have to finance that amount of money and. We'd like to collect somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand dollars. We're at at about fifty one hundred right now, and uh, we're just beginning. So we're uh, we have a ways to go. We're going to be doing this uh, through November, and so if you would like to contribute to that, we would certainly appreciate it, and it'd be a benefit to our church and a benefit to the ministries of our church, as we are good stewards with our money. As I mentioned, our first upper game is Saturday, so y'all come on out and cheer everybody on. And we have a blood drive coming up on October the 26th, is right, October the 26th. And if you would like to uh, make an appointment, then see Jika, and she would be glad to make an appointment for you for that. Let us bow for our benediction. May we go from this place where we have joined together to worship, strengthened by God's Holy Spirit. May we go so that at all times and in all things that we do, in all the places that we go, we pray that we may be enabled to do God's work in the power of God's living Holy Spirit. Amen.